Welcome to C3 Church, Queen's Beach. We believe Jesus Christ gives life to the full and we are called to live it and share it. We pray you enjoyed this message today. Last year I had long service leave and we took some little blocks here and there of holidays which was absolutely fantastic. And during that time, um, last, week, last year Steve and I went to Broome and had a bit of an adventure there. And we didn't have a hire car, we walked everywhere because we were pretty close to Cape Beach. So we would walk down every night to watch the sunset and it was amazing. And we would see the people having camel rides. So we didn't do that. We've done it once before many years ago, you know, a bit of a bucket list thing, but once is enough for me, Not don't actually enjoy that. Especially in the getting on and the whole, like those of you who've done it, it's like, oh, this isn't actually fun. <laughs> And one night we were down on the beach, uh, not down the beach and I said to Steve, oh, camels are coming. He goes, I can't see anything. What are you talking about? He goes, how do you know? And I've got a very sensitive nose. I said, I can smell them. Let me tell you, they're on their way. And then right down the end of the beach, they came around the corner. So I just wanted to um, put a little video of them as they came up the beach and had a look at them. They were so far away, but you yeah, just show, here's the camel train. Oh, he feels, can you hear the wind? They're quite fascinating creatures. I mean, they're absolutely massive. They surprisingly travel quite far and quite consistent. They just keep going and keep going. So they, I've looked up some facts about them. They travel up to 200 kilometres day, a day with up to 150 kilograms on their back. So they're pretty incredible. And I'm always amazed how many times camels are mentioned in the Bible. I don't know if you've read the Gideon story in Judges, but every time I read it, I'm like, what is with all these camels? They keep mentioning the camels and it's, it's absolutely crazy. One of, one of the verses in there, it says, it was impossible to count them, talk about the people, or their camels. Oh, okay, right, sure. And in Judges 8, Gideon kills two guys and steals the amulets from their camel's neck. I don't know what the significance of that is. You can look it up. But I was like, okay, what is it with the camels? And the Bible states that Job was the owner of a large number of camels. Likewise, King David had many camels, and some of them were war booty. And being the owner of many camels was a symbol of wealth, prosperity and blessing. We see that in Isaiah 60. And without them, the development of important trade routes would have not have been possible. We know that in the middle of um, Australia, they're actually quite feral now. There's about a million of them, but yeah, they've been very important. And they are mentioned many times in the Bible. And one of the stories where, weirdly, camels is mentioned is in Genesis 24, where we read about an important camel, camel train in the love story of Isaac and Rebekah. So Isaac was a promised son of Abraham, who we know as the father of faith to what we believe. So we pick up on the story after Abraham's precious wife, Sarah, has passed away. And Abraham is very old, and she's very concerned about the future of her son, Isaac who is nearly 40 years old. One of those seems like maybe failure to launch type kind of situations. So we're going to pick up the story in Genesis 24. Abraham was now an old man. God had blessed Abraham in every way. Abraham spoke to the senior servant in his household, Eliezer, the one in charge of everything he had. 
Put your hand under my thigh and swear by God, God of heaven, God of earth, that you will not get a wife for my son from among the young women of the Canaanites here, but will go to the land of my birth and get a wife for my son Isaac. The servant answered, But what if the woman refuses to leave home and come with me? Do I then take your son back to your home country? Abraham said, Oh no, never. By no means are you to take my son back there. God, the God of heaven, took me from the home of my father and from the country of my birth and spoke to me in solemn promise, I'm giving this land to your descendants. This God will send his angel ahead of you to get a wife for my son. And if the woman won't come, you are free from this oath you've sworn me. But under no circumstances are you to take my son back there. He's pretty adamant, isn't he, that, that Isaac will be married to a fellow believer, a godly line that would continue in the same way, in that way. And there was no compromise in this. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of the master Abraham and gave his solemn oath. The servant took ten of his master's camels, loaded with gifts from his master. That's a lot, isn't it? If you think about how many kilograms times ten. And, um, yeah, it could have been up to 150 kilos. I don't know. <laughs> and he took them to the city of Nahor. Outside the city, he made the camels kneel at a well. It was evening, the time when the women came to draw water. He prayed, O oh God, God of my master Abraham, make things go smoothly this day. Treat my master Abraham well. As I stand here by the spring, while the young women of the town come out to get water, let the girl to whom I say, Lower your jug, lower your jug and give me a drink, and who answers, Drink, and let me also water your camels. Let her be the woman you have picked out for your servant Isaac. This is very specific, right? <laughs> then I'll know that you are working graciously behind the scenes for my master. So Eliezer was wise enough to ask for a sign that was remarkable, but in not a stupid, impossible thing like, you know, someone to jump off a building and be fine or, you know, set on fire. He's, he's picked something. He didn't tempt God by asking for something crazy. He wanted someone who was hardworking, did things with excellence, was a finisher, and completed what she promised. And it was a remarkable sign to see this, but in human terms, possible. So in verse 15, it so happened that the words were barely out of his mouth when Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, whose mother was Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with a water jug on her shoulder. The girl was stunningly beautiful, a pure virgin. Now, Abraham's servant, he didn't really care about the woman's appearance. He wanted a woman of character, a woman whom God had chosen. And I think being stunningly beautiful was probably a lovely bonus. And God, though, does love to surprise us with special blessings at times. So she went down to the spring, filled her jug and came back. The servant ran to meet her and said, Please, can I have a sip of water from your jug? He said, Certainly. She said, Certainly, drink. And she held the jug so that he could drink. When he had satisfied his thirst, she said, I'll get water for your camels too, until they've drunk their fill. She promptly emptied her jug into the trough and ran back to the well to fill it, and she kept at it until she had watered all the camels. There's a sense in which Eliezer set the odds against finding someone when he prayed that prayer early, earlier. It would take a remarkable woman to volunteer for this tedious task. She didn't begrudgingly 
say yes when asked. She actually showed initiative and offered herself. And considering that a camel drinks up to 200 litres of water, that's a lot of work and it probably would have taken a couple of hours to do that. And as Rebecca began the hard work of watering the camels, the servant didn't step in and stop her or offer to help. He wanted a woman who would not only say that she would water the camels, but she would actually do the hard work and that she would follow through and, and serve. And he wanted to see she had that servant's heart and completed what she started. And he was amazed as he, as he watched her doing this, wondering at her, the Bible says. And the man watched silent. Was this God's answer? Had God made his trip a success or not? When the camels had finished drinking, once he had seen that, Eliezer brought out gifts. A gold nose ring weighing a little over a quarter of an ounce and two arm bracelets weighing about four ounces and gave them to her. After Rebecca fulfilled the sign Abraham's servant prayed for, he immediately revealed the precious gifts to her. This was a sign of generosity and wealth of the master that he represented and she had no idea this was going to happen. She wasn't doing it for a reward at the end. That's not why she committed to serve. He asked her, tell me about your family. Whose daughter are you? Is there room in your father's house for us to stay the night? She said, I'm the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah and Nahor, and there's plenty of room in our house for you to stay and lots of straw and feed besides for your camels. <laughs> Gotta look after those camels. <laughs> you know, there's a generosity with the hospitality here as she invites him and his entourage of camels to stay. At this, the man bowed in worship before God and prayed, Blessed be God, God of my master Abraham. How generous and true you've been to my master. You've held nothing back. You led me right to the door of my master's brother. And the girl was often running, telling everyone in her mother's house what had happened. <laughs> Rebecca had a brother named Laban. We hear about him in later chapters, not the best of character. Laban ran outside to the man at the spring. He had seen the nose ring and the bracelets on his sister and had heard her say, the man said this and this and this to me. So he went to the man and there he was, standing with him, his camels at the spring. Laban welcomed him. Come on in, blessed of God. Why are you standing out here? I've got, I've got the house ready for you and there's also a place for your camels, yes. So the man went into the house, the camels were unloaded and given straw and feed. Water was brought to bathe the feet of the man and the men with him. Then Laban brought out food, but the man said, I won't eat until I tell my story. Laban said, go ahead, tell us. And then he spends many verses just saying exactly what we just read. So I'm <laughs> summarising and jumping ahead to verse 48. I praised God, the God of my master Abraham, who had led me straight to the door of my master's family to get a wife for his son. Now tell me what you are going to do. If you plan to respond with a generous yes, tell me. But if not, tell me plainly so I can figure out what to do next. Laban and Bethuel answered, this is undeniably from God. We have, to, we have no say in the matter, either yes or no. Rebecca is yours. Take her and go. Let her be the wife of your master's son, as God has made plain. When Abraham's servants heard their decision, he bowed in worship before God. Then he brought out gifts of silver and gold and clothing and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave expensive gifts to her brother and mother. He and his men had supper and spent the night. 
But first thing in the morning they were up. He said, send me back to my master. So Abraham's servant was focused and very urgent regarding this mission. It was nearly 1,500 kilometres trip and he just stayed one night at the destination and then he wanted to return that great distance. The brother and mother said, let the girl stay a while, say another 10 days and then go. He said, oh, don't make me wait. God has worked everything out so well. Send me off to my master. They said, we'll call the girl, we'll ask her. They called Rebecca and asked her, do you want to go with this man? She said, I'm ready to go. I find that amazing. Such faith words. It's thought that she's 14 years old. What a huge leap of faith to leave everything that she knows, her family and her home, everything, and travel nearly 1,500 kilometres on a camel to marry a man who's nearly 40 years of age. And she did it straight away. That's such faith. That is such uh, faith in God and who he is and what he had prepared and seeing what he had done there. So they went off. Oh, sorry. So they went, they, sorry, they sent them off, their sister Rebecca with her nurse and Abraham's servant with his men. And they blessed Rebecca saying, you're our sister, live bountifully and your children triumphantly. Rebecca and her young maids mounted the camels and followed the man. The servant took Rebecca and set off for home. Can you imagine the conversations that Rebecca and Eliezer would have had on the way back? I can imagine her, you know, this teenage girl wanting to hear all about him and what's he like and what does he do and all this and, you know, you wonder how Alioza would be like, oh my goodness, can you stop asking me questions? Well, maybe he was just filling her in on what she wanted to know. Isaac was living in the Negev. He had just come back from a visit to Bia Lahai Roy. In the evening, he went out into the field while meditating, like praying, he looked up and he saw camels coming. I love that he was a man of prayer and he was meditating on God. When Rebecca looked up and saw Isaac, she got down from her camel and asked the servant, who is that man out in the field coming towards us? That is my master. She took her veil and covered herself. And the covering with the veil signified chastity, modesty and submission. And this was how Rebecca wanted to meet the man that she would marry. After the servant told Isaac the whole story of the trip, Isaac took Rebecca into the tent of his mother, Sarah. He married Rebecca and she became his wife and he loved her. So Isaac found comfort after his mother's death. So Isaac and Rebecca served and sought God and God brought them together. You know, the ultimate arranged or assisted marriage, but from Father God himself, he had planned it and ordained it. And they were more concerned with the will of God than with the way modern thinking makes love purely a matter of feeling. The coming together of Isaac and Rebecca is a remarkable picture of the coming together of Jesus and his people, the bride and the church. There's some things that we can look at that line up in both of these situations. A father desired a bride for his son. A son was accounted as dead and raised from the dead. A servant was sent forth, Holy Spirit, to get a bride for the son. Eliezer means God's helper. The lovely bride was divinely met, chosen and called, and then lavished with gifts. She was entrusted to the care of the servant until she met her bridegroom. She became his wife and he loved her. Isaac loved his bride and Jesus loves his church. 
Both Rebecca and the church were chosen for marriage before they knew it. That's in Ephesians 1. Were necessary for the accomplishment of God's eternal purposes. Ephesians 3. Were destined to share in the glory of the Son. John 17. Learned of the Son through his representative. Must leave all with joy to be with the Son. Were loved and cared for by the Son. And both Isaac and Jesus were promised before their coming finally appeared at the appointed time, were conceived and born miraculously, were given a special name before birth, were offered up in sacrifice by the Father, were brought back from the dead, were head of a great company to bless all people, and prepared a place for their bride. And you know, as Christ's bride, his church, we're coming out of a pandemic, a season of utter chaos that we've never experienced before, one where life has been unpredictable, where we have just too often found ourselves using phrases like pivot, <laughs> cancel, postpone, quarantine, isolate, lockdown, and waiting just far too often. There's been delayed weddings and special occasions and waiting for renewed finances as businesses have been Damage. We've seen struggles with health. We've seen transportation deliveries that have been delayed, which have then delayed housing and businesses and had a big uh, you know, ripple effect across our society. We've had postponed medical care and procedures and building procedures and we've been waiting to travel and to be reunited with loved ones. Everything was put on hold for so long. It's almost like we're too scared to ask or desire again. And we're fearful that we will have everything taken away from us. And I feel that coming into 2023, the church has been a little bit sheepishly, cautiously, almost scared to share and dig deep those dreams and those desires that we once had. It's like we put them on hold for so long, we don't want to get our hopes up and then be disappointed. It all comes from fear, doesn't it? And in church life, we've seen a backing off from fellowshipping together and gathering together and sharing in prayer and the Bible and serving together. And there's been a waning of commitment to God and his purposes, a change in our heart and our mindset. It's about you do you or our preferences and what's comfortable you know, for me instead of what we're here for, what Jesus came for to build his kingdom. We have been just treading water, surviving week by week, even practically it's like, oh, this person's out with this, who's replacing? We're just getting by. It just feels like we've been surviving and sitting in a waiting room. But what are you waiting for? There's a stirring up in the spirit now through, although all of, you know, through, through all of this change and even Natasha mentioned it in our pre-service prayer today, it's an, a new season. You know, God told me our QB phrase for this year is, it's a new and living way, walk in it. And then the prophet Vicki Simpson, she shared the following thoughts earlier this year and they really resonated with me. So have a look at these slides. First one, the rehearsal is over. It's time to dress up, step up and show up. For the stage is set and the people are waiting. If not now, when? 
And then this verse, 2 Corinthians 6, 2. For God says, at just the right time I heard you. On the day of salvation I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. People are waiting. What are they waiting for? Our world needs hope. Souls are lost. Hearts are hurting. And we have the answer. Ah. As Rebecca was God's design for Isaac, the church, his bride is God's design. And for a lost and hurting world, that's what they need. He needs every one of you. We have experienced salvation through Jesus Christ. And we need to step up and share this with those in our sphere of influence. The world is crying out for true identity, for freedom, hope, for salvation. And we, the church, have the answer. You know, there's been a, a stepping back, a season of shrinking our capacity, of us choosing safety and comfort. But God is calling us to a new season of increasing again. What are you waiting for? And there's a double meaning in this. What have you been longing for and, and waiting for? And also, what are you waiting for? Why are you hesitating? Now is the time to ask, believe, and receive. Rebecca had desires and she allowed God to grow her in the waiting. Maybe you feel like you've hit a spiritual wall. Maybe even keeping in place, you know, spiritual disciplines, but it seems that nothing is changing. You're stuck in a rut or a holding pattern. And you have a choice to get discouraged and throw it all in and walk away. And many have. Or you can trust God that he's with you, that he doesn't change. And keep in mind, he sees the larger picture. Look at the past and what you've been through, what you're going through, and see what you've learned from it. Maybe you need to forgive and let go of some things that are holding you back. Or look back at how God grew you and is growing you and how in these difficult times he reveals himself in a deeper way. And then set your sights on preparing for the future. He's doing a transforming work in you. And he is in me. And he wants to mature us and, and for us to become the people that he intends us to be. You may not understand it, but surrender to him and come to a greater understanding of his love and his character and just experience that. Unfortunately, it's often in those difficult times it takes those for us to go to that deeper level in God. And Rebecca is a beautiful representation of the bride of Christ and shows us what to do in the waiting. She kept herself pure in the Father's house. She looked for opportunities to bless others. She served extravagantly. She did everything with excellence and great attitude. She finished the job well. And finally, her couples came. <laughs> she didn't care about the financial benefits, the jewellery and all of that sort of stuff. But that came as a bonus. That makes me think of Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. He's a good God. You know, he wants to bless us. She was quick to reply yes. She stepped out in faith. And then Isaac's covenants came. His prayers were answered as he is delivered, she is delivered to her beloved. Rebecca married a godly man with godly heritage. 
She never knew beforehand the significance of her choices. Without her obedience to this huge plan of God for Abraham and his people, God's chosen people, if she hadn't stepped into this, that all falls apart. There's no children of Israel if there's no Israel born and then they have children, right? It's just a one and one equals two. Being part of God's plan, coming to completion, wasn't easy just because she stepped into that. As you said before, yes, she sacrificed things and moved away, left her family, and that was, that was huge. And just because she was part of God's plan didn't mean that there weren't difficult times. We read later about her husband's choices. Because she was so beautiful, men desired her, and he was like, just pretend you're my sister so, you know, they won't kill me. Hmm, where have I heard that before? Oh, that's right, Dad. His dad did that, Abraham, twice. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, Apple doesn't fall far from the tree. These are very difficult situations that she was in. She was barren for many years. Now, that's a huge pressure in that society, full stop, but also a massive burden on her because without her, there are no children in Israel. <laughs> No pressure, Rebecca, you know, the whole Abraham, of Abraham's dreams not coming to pass unless you have some children. And there was a huge wave in there. But then there was a double blessing. She had twins, Esau and Jacob. And she made dodgy choices. She made some mistakes. You know, one of them was encouraging one of her sons, Jacob, which means deceiver, <laughs> to trick his dad. But, you know, that's a whole other story. That caused this big family breakup. But then later, Jacob's name was changed to Israel, meaning one who prevails with God. You know why that happened? Because to match his new character, which was forged through trial and adversity, not turning away from the hard things he needed to face, and even came from a wrestling with God. So Rebecca may have had some sense that she was essential, even a key part of an important plan, but she couldn't have fully comprehended that she was part of the plan for God's purpose, for the bloodline that gave us Jesus, our Lord and our Saviour. That's where he came from. Now, what if she gave up? What if she didn't turn up that day? Well, she was in a mood and couldn't be bothered. Well, she didn't do the job properly and fulfill the criteria. But she did. She was prepared and willing, and those camels came, representing prosperity and blessing, more than her heart could have believed was possible. You know, Isaac saw the camels coming too, carrying the desires of his heart, a godly woman for him to share his life with, have a wife to create a family and a home in the bloodline of Jesus a heritage that you and I are included in. Abraham was the father of many, physical seed, but also spiritual children, and that's us. So let's stand with, if you could come to the keys. What are you waiting for? What dream has been put to bed? What seed has been buried and seems dormant? Do you dare to let Holy Spirit breathe on them once again? To fan into that flame that the gifts and the desires that he has given you? 
Is it time to dream again, to pick it up again? What are you waiting for? I pray that you will believe again, that you will see again, that you will get dressed in the spirit. No more tracky dacks, no mediocrity because you're in a Zoom meeting anymore. It's time to dress up, step up and show up. You know, it's time for us to reach out to the lost, to look for those plus one encounters where we shine Jesus, we step out in boldness and we share our faith with others and invite them to church. You know, some people here today are literally like Isaac and Rebecca, you're desiring a godly marriage. Prepare yourself as Rebecca did. Be prayer prayerful, be about your father's business, have a great attitude and work ethic, go above and beyond with excellence. Be a finisher. God rewards our faithfulness. I know for many of you, it was so exciting to see Pastor Rachel and Emmanuel in the last month and be reminded of Rachel's story, putting God's kingdom first, even though that required a single woman leaving her family and her church life as she put Jesus in the centre. Practically did not look sensible. Moving to another country where she doesn't speak the language. But after a time of preparation and waiting, doing God's work, God provided her the desires of her heart. A godly man, powerful in ministry together and a generational blessing. Beautiful children, they've even been able to buy their own home in Bali. And there was a preparation in the waiting. And she saw the camels of blessing coming and received the promises. And for many here today, God is going to do exceedingly abundantly more than you could even think. Like Rebecca's beauty being a lovely bonus, our Father God, like parents in the natural, he loves to be generous and surprise us with blessings. And there's going to be some precious answers to prayer and beautiful surprises this year. No reason, except just because, just because you are his child, just because he loves you. And so many of us have been believing for friends and family members to come to God or come back to God and be on fire for him. And I love that Eden prayed for family today and speaking Jesus over that situation because that's what is on my heart too. We've even let go of even hoping for that sometimes, but Holy Spirit is saying, take up the prayer mantle, ask again for those opportunities. And know that in the waiting, he's preparing those camels, that a work is in progress, and we will see the fulfillment of it. In the waiting, you may have been pressing into God's word and prayer. Get ready. The camels are coming. Your spiritual breakthrough is on its way. Maybe you can't see it today, but I tell you, you're going to start to smell it. Those camels are coming. <laughs> Prepare yourself and get ready for those camels. He's prepared them, and it may represent prosperity and fruitfulness financially. In the way you've been faithfully tithing and given to God and served God, and he's been preparing camels laden with bounty and blessing for you. For many, I see that there's healing and reconciliation in relationships. Maybe in healing, not only physical, but mentally and emotionally. There's areas of hurt, damage and trauma that are going to be healed. Fear will leave 
and a new spirit of faith is going to rise up on God's people. You know, maybe you can't see the camels, but they are coming. Maybe you can't see the camels, but you can smell them. You may never know the eternal implications of you surrendering to God and Him providing camels for you, the spiritual heritage you gain, and the legacy that you leave. The camels are coming. People are waiting for your gifts, for your testimony, for salvation, for life transformation. You know, we're commissioned to be disciples and make disciples, to be salt and flavour this earth, to be light, to shine Jesus' love and goodness. The dress rehearsal is over. Dress up, step up and show up. What are you waiting for? It's a new and living way. Walk in it. Look and see. The camels are coming. Thanks so much for joining us today on this podcast. We encourage you to let this word further help you live and share the life to the full that Jesus gives. If you want to check out more of our upcoming events, service times, locations, or to give online, head to c3hh.com.au forward slash give.